Welcome to Living Heritage, a show about people who are engaged in the heritage and culture sector, all those who keep heritage alive at the community level. This episode is part of a special series about the Backloo Trail region of Newfoundland and Labrador. Join us as we explore the hidden gems of the Backloo Trail, from stories of phantom ship sightings to local art and history. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. Today I'm talking with Karen Murray Berkowitz. Karen is a PhD candidate in the Folklore Department at Memorial University. She began working in the Memorial University Folklore and Language Archive and became fascinated by stories of shipwrecks and ghost ships. Karen created an online map that shows the locations of all the ghost or phantom ship sightings she's found in the archive so far. In this episode, we talk about Karen's research and dive into a few phantom ship stories from the Backloo Trail region. So I guess to start off, I was hoping you could just talk about uh, your background and how you kind of like got interested in this project. Sure. Well, I'm a PhD student in my first year of PhD studies in folklore at Mann, and part of the part of the program is in the second semester. Um, you do some kind of, I think it, it's some sort of work placement within the department. So could be TAing, could be assisting with research, and I ended up being placed in the archive in Munfla. And I was asked when I when I first arrived if there was anything particular that I had in mind as a project. And at the time, I was actually I was having very great ambitions, and I was thinking, wouldn't it be great to have a, a map showing all the ghost stories in Newfoundland? And then I looked into the file of ghost stories in the archive, and it's enormous. And I thought this is going to become an unusable tool if if I try to cram everything into one map. So I've always had an interest in maritime history and maritime folklore particularly. So I thought maybe I'll start with ghost ships and make make a map of ghost ships. And that can be, you know, that'll still be a lot of material, but it won't be quite as overwhelming for people trying to use the map and trying to find particular stories in it so that ended up being my focus for the semester I feel like that always happens that because uh, I also recently finished my master's at uh, in the folklore department at Memorial I started off with this like huge project and they were like that's yeah. too big you need to not do that <laughs> right something you can actually finish right um so could you uh, talk a little about, little bit about Munfla? What is Munfla, and like, what are the materials that are in that archive? Sure, Munfla is the Memorial University of Newfoundland Folklore and Language Archive, which is shortened to Munfla for the sake of all our having time to say it. And and the idea is to collect uh, raw, raw material from people who are members of communities or. Uh, people being interviewed for various projects and anything that's to do with folklore or folk speech, the language side of things. It's got the collections for the Newfoundland Dictionary, for instance, and and the materials are all in different forms as well. So, um, you know, kind of the traditional archival materials, all the, the boxes and folders of, of material that's recorded on paper down in the vault, but there's also tapes and CDs and recordings and videos. And there's also survey cards, which are what I was working with. Um, so the survey cards 
well, there's kind of two two steps to the survey card process. There's, there's the initial survey cards, which are just records of interviews, records of data that's been gathered by students and, and researchers in the folklore department over the years. And those are all, those are sort of categorized by date and by the, the person doing the research and the person providing the information to being interviewed. And then information is extracted from those to go into the, the legend cards, which are categorized by subject. And that's kind of the easy reference point when for students and for researchers who are looking for material on a particular topic. For instance, there's a, there's a subject in the legends, legend cards, there's a category for ships, shipwrecks, sea superstitions, and that was a big one that I was working with. There's also a category for ghosts and yeah, ghost stories, phenomena that are attributed to ghosts. And uh, then there's one for, say, animal legends. There's, yeah, there's all these different categories that if you're trying to get a sense of what's out there in a, on a particular topic, that's where you start. Uh, so, yeah, most of your research has, like, right now, focused on the archive instead of uh, interviewing people. So can you talk a little bit about uh, what you found? Well, yeah, as you, as you say, it's all been in the archive so far. I would be interested in expanding it and, and starting to conduct interviews. I haven't started that process yet, but that's kind of the next step. I have found, well... You've had a chance to look at the map, I've, I would guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe describe the map, too. And the different categories on it. So the map, it's made through the, through MapHub, which is just a really handy, very easy-to-use tool, and allows you to categorize, uh, to, to use different color codes and to organize the information in whatever way makes the most sense. So a big part of kind of the early part of this project was reading through the survey cards and trying to see what categories would work on a map like this, What, how I should be conceiving of this map in terms of um, what people will be looking for when they go and and use it and what they'll be, what's the easiest way to, yeah, to make that information accessible and understandable. So I have five color codes at the moment there's ghost ship stories with involving unnamed vessels ghost ship stories involving named vessels which are often really interesting because then sometimes you know if if i'm lucky there's a chance to find out more from uh from the historical record because there'll be more information on that ship shipwrecks with the exact location indicated in in the survey cards and shipwrecks with uh more vague location where the the informant the interviewee didn't didn't know exactly where the wreck took place and then the last one is ghosts on board ships or um or seen at sea so that was something that kept coming up as sort of a gray area where it wasn't a phantom vessel it but it was a ghost story that took place at sea or it was a ghost story involving a shipwreck and so that's that's the last category that's kind of the i would say the biggest or most all-encompassing category although i would say the, 
most often represented category is the ghost ship stories with unnamed vessels because there's a lot of one line or couple of line stories in the survey cards where someone would mention in passing that oh yes there's there's a ghost ship over off of this point which you see before a storm there's the sound of a ship's bell that can be heard over here they're just these snippets of stories there's not particularly involved narrative behind them but they are they're enough of a story to get on the map. Have you found any patterns in terms of like uh, time periods that the stories have come from or areas that have, I guess, yeah, any patterns in general? Part of the finding patterns has been finding where the most research has been done. Actually, it's interesting you should ask about areas because uh, the Avalon Peninsula is very well represented. Trinity Bay... Conception Bay, uh, Placentia Bay, and then over on the western coast, there's it's much sparser, and I don't really have a, a strong sense myself of whether that's that there are fewer ghost ship stories out there in general, or if there's just been less research done in that area by Mun students. Um, so that's something that I'd like to look into further. I mean, actually, I, I would also like to look further into stories from Labrador because at the moment there aren't really any on the map. So so that's one pattern more to do with the research patterns than anything else. Uh, I have also found there's definitely a tendency to tie the stories into local history. So, for instance, in Donville, in Placentia Bay, there's the sound of boats being rowed ashore, which it, which are attributed to phantom French soldiers returning to Castle Hill. So there's you know, there, there's local sites and local landmarks that end up having these legends attached to them. And that's definitely a tendency that, that I've seen throughout my research for this map. I'm kind of focusing on uh, the Backloo Trail region. So right. I was also hoping you could dig into a few of the interesting stories that you found in that region and just like tell those stories yes i think the the most detailed one of the most involved one i guess that i've found a few instances of in the yes so this story comes from the conception bay side there are a few stories let's see it, it appears in seal cove photograph and and just general general conception bay area without without really a specific community attached to it. But there's a couple of stories about the wreck of the Blue Jacket, which was, I believe, a steamer. And it was wrecked in 1862. Um, yes, it was a packet boat steamer, which left Portugal Cove for Brigus and Harbour Grace and ended up being wrecked before it reached its destination. So as, um, yeah, as with a lot of these stories, actually, there's some notion that seeing the phantom of the blue jacket uh, either sailing towards you or away from you is an omen of death in some way or or a bad omen um and and there's a few sort of mentions uh, of that belief there's also a story that i found quite fascinating there was a man who found lumber from the, that had been carried by the blue jacket they've been washed ashore in the wreck and even though i guess 
salvaged lumber would probably be a pretty hot commodity. This one man decided that he wouldn't build with it because it was it was from a shipwreck. It didn't seem didn't seem right to build with this material, but he found some further up the shore and and decided, okay, fine, he was going to build with it. Went home and you know, did his construction project, but things kept happening. Uh, afterwards, he would he would hear moaning from the the wood in the walls and voices, disembodied voices, and he realized that actually that that was also wreck wood, and that was he must have been building with wood from the blue jacket. So he actually tore that wood out of out of his walls and decided that it was just too much trouble to to have in his house. And after that, apparently the sound ceased. That's such a good story. Yes. What time Strange, period was yeah. the the blue jacket? And like, do you know a little bit more about the ship and like what it did and if there was any uh, fatalities? I believe there was only one fatality. It was in 1862 that uh, that it was wrecked. I don't know too many of the details, but I'm pretty sure most of the most of the passengers and crew were, were rescued. It, it is a funny thing with a lot of these stories. You, you get everything from a ship that was wrecked with one fatality or even even sometimes with none, uh, but that still appears as as a ghost for, for some reason to ships that have just completely disappeared and, you know, lost with all hands. So there doesn't seem to be... I haven't managed to discern a pattern in terms of the scale of of disaster as compared to whether or not they appear as a phantom in the in the folklore record. So that's kind of interesting. That's so interesting because it's it's like the ship itself is the ghost. Not like yes. as I had been thinking that the people who died in the wreck or the people who died on the ship were the ones kind of like haunting the ship or haunting the material, but it, it's kind of almost like the phantom ghost is like the sh- the ship itself yes it's like the idea of the ship being a living thing yeah that's so fascinating uh have do you have any uh more examples from the Backloo trail area any other stories well there's one that i'm actually trying to look into at the moment which is um the story came from a, an interview from old perlican and and it's recorded as the schooner Trixie that was lost nearby and there's a, a light that's seen in the bay that's supposed to foretell storms and that's attributed to this vessel. Um, I've been trying trying to go further into the, the research on that because, as I was saying, you know, having a, a name attributed to a ghost ship, that really makes a difference as to how much you can find out about the background of it. But but the problem with this one is the spelling of the name. So on the survey card, you get T-R-I-C-K-S-Y. In, um, in other records, you get T-R-I-X-I-E, like the name Trixie. Um, and, and so I'm trying to figure out whether it's the same vessel and whether, or whether I'm researching two different ships and... Um, so far, yeah. So far, I've found some more information about the Trixie, uh, the schooner Trixie H, 
which left St. John's in 1887 uh, and was wrecked in between Old Perlican and Trinity. So it seems like it's likely that it's the same the same vessel, but you know, there's always sort of this this sense of I want to be really sure before before I start making these connections. But then there are a lot of, of course, these other unnamed vessels and unidentified vessels. Freshwater, for instance, has phantom lights over a place where uh, apparently four brothers were shipwrecked during a storm and drowned. Adam's Cove in Conception Bay has actually the voices of shipwreck victims that are heard when there's a southwesterly wind blowing. There's a phantom longboat in Bay de Verde, where the interviewee in, in the survey cards apparently talked about seeing three men in a longboat who disappeared in, in the fog and then found out afterwards that there had been um, those men had drowned in that area. Often in the survey cards, what you'll find is people talking about seeing something or hearing something, experiencing some kind of phenomenon, and then realizing afterwards, learning that there's some kind of history behind it or that someone was drowned there or a ship was wrecked. There's a lot of weather warnings. For instance, at Great's Cove, there's a, a phantom light that acts as a storm warning, and it's, again, attributed to a phantom ship. On the other side of, of that peninsula, in Big Brook between Old Perlican and Lead Cove, there's another phantom boat which is supposed to foretell bad weather, which, which is attributed to uh, a boat that was lost at sea. One that there might be a little more information on uh, out there is actually in the middle of Trinity Bay, there's a ship that's sometimes sighted that is that's thought to be the Lion, which uh, set off from St. John's towards Trinity Bay in either 1882 or 1883 and never made it there. So what I was saying earlier about the different scales of disaster, this is kind of the higher end of, uh, of that scale where the ship was lost and everyone aboard was lost. And, and according, to the, well, according to the survey card the, and the person telling the story, no one really found out what happened to, to that ship. I'm not sure if more information is, is out there, if that wreck has been identified, but as of the collection of that story, the survey cards, that's a story that was unresolved. So it, it's one of those ghost stories that seems to exist to fill a gap in the history. Oh, yeah, that's, I feel like that makes it so much um, more like spooky because like you don't really know for sure what happened to it. Right. So are there, you talked a little bit about like um, ghost stories filling a gap in the history or ghost ships serving as weather warnings. Do you have any theories about like the function of the phantom ship sightings? Well, I think it really drives home how uncertain a lot of life that revolves around the sea and, and ships and sea transport uh, could be so even even up to quite recently it was more than possible for for a ship to go down and just never be heard from again and it would be it would be so easy for it to be completely lost to history this this unresolved question and so sometimes i feel like the the weather warning ships and the 
disappeared ships are almost different angles of the same idea that they're trying to it's almost a way of controlling that uncertainty while also recognizing that it can't be completely controlled where the weather warnings are kind of a way for it's like the the dead speaking to the living right it's um the idea that someone who was lost in in a storm or was caught out in bad weather and never returned could somehow save someone else from experiencing the same fate and then stories like the, the lion where the ship disappeared and there was this unresolved question of what had happened that's that's one where i'd be interested in knowing when sightings of the ghost ship actually began you know was it when that wreck was within living memory or was it afterwards trying to reconstruct some kind of history to it i don't know exactly how old that story is you know if the wreck was in 1882-83 then could potentially be quite old but but it's also possible that it that it was a story that developed over the years as you know as, as people were trying to put some kind of closure to to that tragedy yeah or even um like you were saying a lot of the sightings are then tied to a longer story of history like um mm-hmm. the french boats in dunville yes maybe just like also a way to like remember history too right yeah absolutely i would i would say that's that's a big part of it and actually as someone who's not from newfoundland i've been learning a lot about what local histories are remembered in different uh, in different places so i didn't actually know that there was a french fort at castle hill in dunville <laughs> but that that sort of pinpointed by this ghost story and similarly looking at the map placentia seems to have quite a few of these there's there's a ship in sorry sorry to get off track from the back of the trail here but i'm just no- noticing now that in the harbor of placentia there's actually quite an old story of uh, of a phantom ship that was first reported by 17th century french customs officials who said that this this ship had refused to stop when signaled and then just disappeared and it's thought to be a 16th century portuguese vessel so so yeah there's sort of these certain points in in history that are remembered in that are remembered through these ghost stories and i find that quite fascinating as well was there um a part of this project that was that of your research so far that was most surprising to you like a story or something interesting that you found that you really weren't expecting there are definitely a couple of things. I think one of the most surprising, it's not even, it's not even a pattern because it's only occurred twice, but in my research anyway, but there were two stories that I found involving the removal of ghosts, ghost ships that used to be seen, but then I think in both cases, there was a priest brought in to do a ceremony and after that the ghosts disappeared, which I guess... I, I'd never really thought of that as being something that that would be part of part of a ghost ship story. I kind of assumed that well, the ghost ships were out there and they and there wasn't really a way a way to get rid of them. But a, but there's one from the southern shore region that was not seen again after that area was uh, was blessed. And then there's one I believe from Torbay about ghost boy and dog 
who were killed by pirates. So yeah, the the idea that there's an end to some of these ghost stories was a little bit surprising. And of course, there's there's always stories that really seem out of place as well. There's one from Placentia again, which seems very odd, which is about a, a phantom Greek galley that's on fire with with naked oarsmen, and and apparently the this galley is said to disrupt fishing, which you know, I imagine it would. A, a flaming ship full of naked oarsmen would definitely be a bit of a, a disturbance of the peace. I think that's the most un, unaccountable story that I've found so far. Yeah, like what does it connect with? Because other things, right, are rooted in some right. sort of like local tragedy or shipwreck or a real ship or history. Yeah, that's just it. This one seems to come out of nowhere. That's so interesting. I don't think I have any more questions unless there was anything else about your research that you did want to uh, mention. Well, mostly, mostly I guess that it's a work in progress still. And, and that once I get back to the archive, there will probably be a lot more details added to this map. So those brief one-line stories from around, from around the Bacalu, Bacalu Trail region, I'm hoping to be able to flesh those out a bit more and well, from, from everywhere, actually. And as well, I'm toying with the idea of doing some research research of my own on the western coast and Labrador because those areas haven't been as well represented on the map so far. So so basically, yeah, that what I have so far is, is the beginning and hopefully I'll be able to get back to that soon when all this is over. Thank you for joining us on Hidden Gems of the Backloo Trail a special series on the Living Heritage Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Dignam. You've been listening to the Living Heritage Podcast, a co-production of Heritage NL and CHMR Radio at Memorial University. You can find previous episodes on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. We're on Twitter at HFNLCA. Do you have a question or a suggestion about an aspect of culture and heritage you want us to explore? Send us your mail, and we'll do our best to answer it in an upcoming show. Email us at livingheritagepodcast at gmail.com. Our theme music is by Lache Swing. Thanks for listening. <laughs>